The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from uh, DC Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost on the heels of a midnight victory. The Steelers 26, the Browns 22. The Steelers sit solidly undefeated in division play now. That's right. Ohio, you know, Ohio will Ohio. Historic win last night. Historic win for the franchise. Great performance by the offense. And if by the offense, I mean the edge-rushing duo of T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, who outscored the offense on their own with a total of 14 points. And a great performance, I think for the first time in a long time, by the Steelers crowd. You know, there's been rumors. I haven't perpetrated these, but these have proliferated on the internet and also on live television for everybody to see. There have been rumors that the Steelers' home crowds have not been that great over the past five, ten years. Well, they were incredible last night. And they have a lot of demands of the Steelers for the Steelers to carry their their weight in terms of making a great team. And if by making a great team, I'm referring to the deafening Fire Canada chants that echoed through the stadium. But look, I think that now the Steelers fans have, have earned that right because maybe they haven't been holding their bargain, the live crowd. Maybe we, that's us, right? Maybe we haven't been holding our end of the bargain up. Well, Steelers crowd came to play. That was the most excited crowd I've seen in Pittsburgh for the most boring game I've seen in one week because every week is the most boring game ever. But then it ended up being incredible with all the Steelers' defensive touchdowns, uh, defeating the Browns and Deshaun Watson, who once again put his hands on a uh, this time on a referee and denied it uh, vehemently in the press conference. Uh, once again, national television. It is This is not an opinion, sir. This is actually just a video of you doing that. But, uh, yeah, great for the Steelers to win. And the offense uh, under Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett is probably at full red alert level. And so there's so much to talk about here with uh, that game from last night, Dad. Like, you have simultaneously tremendous fear for the future with how bad this offense looks and how bad it's looked for 37 games, and you worry, where's that going to go? But then simultaneously, you have tremendous excitement for the fact that, oh my gosh, the Steelers are so talented. Like, that's what showed. You you have TJ and Highsmith performing completely as advertised against a really good team. Superstar players making massive plays. There's another guy on the team. I, like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't know. He's like a rookie or a second-year guy, this Pickens, this receiver. They threw him the ball a couple times, and 
Uh, whenever he got that, he ran past every single player on the defense for a glorious touchdown. And then after he scored the 71-yard touchdown, sprinted back to the other side of the field, just doubling up on his amount of running. Yeah, incredible. Minka, great game. There's tremendous talent on the team. So that's very exciting. If they could just get the offensive side of things right. So I don't know, a ton of thoughts. It's it's a weird, it's a weird day because of how much this one singular theme of Steelers offensive ineptitude has boiled over. They had 12 points. They scored seven points the, the week before. It's bad. It's not getting better. Kenny, it's in a little bit of scary land with him right now. But as you and I said last night after that game, which is maybe the longest game ever played, was that a six-hour football game? Uh, we said it's going to be so much better waking up with the win, and it really is. So we can still deal with these issues, but how do you feel – emotionally, besides, you know, the exhaustion, the physical exhaustion, how do you feel about that win? Do you feel good? Because, all right, great, the Steelers beat the Browns. Or do you feel bad because you realize, I don't know how realistic it is to ask the the defense to score 14 points every week. This feels a little deja vu-ish. When the defense, how many years ago was it when the defense was basically carrying us? with an anemic offense, what, what really is scary, of course, I'm, I'm happy for the win. It was fun to, to watch defensive scores is just fun. But what really makes me nervous is that if Nick Chubb stays in the game, I don't know if we win this. The defense isn't doing what it did. They were able to, you know, they would be able to control the ball offensively just by giving it to Chubb. Right, but I, I don't think that that's as big of a deal to me like because Chubb's going to run on almost anybody. I, I do think the days of just being able to shut offenses down is completely over. Once I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but there are so many rules that prevent defenses from being able to play defense. Obviously, you can't touch the receivers. Probably even bigger than that is you can't hit anymore so you can't hit over the middle and as Tom Brady so eloquently described last year it rewards bad quarterback play he said back 10 years ago we had to have skill to throw to the middle of the field you had to limit the number of times you did it and when you did it you had to be extremely accurate with throws that were low catchable but throws that enable your receiver to take the hit so there's just so many ways for offenses to move the ball yeah Nick Chubb is getting his yards the Browns are moving but you can just like it still just comes back to the offense. If the offense can score more than 12 points and and not even the scoring, if they can get first downs, first downs would be sick. I would love to see first downs from the Steelers because it's, it's the ineptitude that makes you lose the field position game. Even though Presley Harvin MVP from last night, shout out Alex Kazora who called him out as potential uh, X factor before the game even started. And then he had the greatest game of all time, but yeah, I, I get what you mean because we were looking at the TV and saying, man, the Browns are really able to get a lot of chunk yards. Or not chunk yards. They were able to get their yards. But as you see, what separates the, the great offenses from the good is you know they're not able to punch a ball in the end zone. And if you remember Todd Haley's first two years in Pittsburgh when Steelman went 8-8 eight and eight both years, Mike Wallace is the number one receiver, young money crew. The Steelers would lead the league in time of possession, and they would have no problem in between the 20s but then they would get to the red zone and they couldn't score. And so then they ended up being a middle of the pack offense. So I'm not so scared of the fact that def- offenses are able to move the ball on the Steelers and that the Steelers are so turnover reliant. It's more like imagine what this defense could do in a complimentary way. If the offense could at least, I mean, at least score some points would be nice, but at least move the ball 
you know, so fascinating, fascinating stuff. But that Steelers crowd was loud. They were loud and they were proud. And uh, I will be curious to see if a change is made during this season, uh, which is very unsteelers like But as we've talked about on the pod over the past few years, they've learned, hopefully, that they have to modernize some things. Like, hey, you know, maybe trade for a guy every once in a while. Hey, sometimes free agents are not bad. You can sign them. And so I'll be super curious. It ended up being a really entertaining game because of all the side stories and just the whacking. They fumbled six times in one play, right, Dad? Like, it was it was a oh, so yeah. bad it's good category. It's a circus, yeah. Yeah. You got all the Deshaun Watson stuff on top of it, too. He visibly grabs a ref and pushes him aside, stands up at the press conference an hour later in a suit in total genuine incredulity at the – no, no, I didn't, I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him at all. No, 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 we were having a discussion. Like, Deshaun, it's on national television. We, we're watching it again now as you're saying I'll, this to confirm. So, so much – no, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get in there, but just like – there was so much side drama that it ended up being a very entertaining evening of football, even if the main story remains. Wow, we were right about these Steelers star players, and uh-oh, we were definitely right about the offensive issues, and Kenny Kenny plays a big part in them, and that's a big story of today. Look, we are Kenny fans. We are rooting for him. I put my hand up after being sad about them drafting him and saying, hey, he actually has much more potential than I thought he did. Maybe he does have a Tony Romo-type game to him. Uh, so not trying to just bash the guy. But again, it was on national television. And it's two weeks in a row. And if you go on Twitter, all the usual suspects we shout out on almost every podcast, Derek, Alex, uh, Orlovsky, Brian Baldinger, they have clips up that make it pretty apparent you can already see a lot of the, the mistakes in on TV when he just throws balls into the dirt. You know, another deep slant to Pickens last week. It, or it was uh, Deontay deep slant throws it into the ground. Right? Can't have that. That's basic quarterback. And if you are just missing open guys, that's not NFL. But then secondarily, when you look at those clips online, he's just not reading the defense correctly pre-snap or, or, or anything like that. But then you kind of go back to chicken or the egg situation. Like, how is this guy, Kenny Pickett, who's not just like an absolute Adonis, some freak like Josh Allen, who if Josh Allen doesn't have great tutelage, at least he can just run around back there and <laughs> stiff arm people to death and throw it 90 yards. How successful will that be? You know, probably not that successful, but he can get by. But how is Kenny Pickett supposed to develop offensively on a team that clearly doesn't understand offense. I just have a question. Yeah. Wahapa. Wahapa. He was, was he throwing the ball in the dirt last year? No. Was he throwing the ball in the dirt in preseason? Not at all. He had all those summer, the summer to get acclimated to his receivers in the first game. I mean, I'll give you the first game for jitters. I'll give you, okay. The second game, he did he, he didn't look better. It's freaky because it can snowball. And it just makes me think of the Jets, who we follow closely as well because of Cousin P. Butch. And 
after Sam Darnold, after Zach Wilson, we've I've been able to sort of look back on those experiences with those quarterbacks who are just absolutely hated, and especially with what Geno's been doing and Geno Smith's been doing in Seattle. And you just look back at Darnold and, and Zach Wilson. And Pat, P. Butch, was clamoring for them to, to sit these guys as rookies. And I, at the time, was saying, you have to play them. It's the modern NFL. They need the reps. And I, once again, hand up, I was wrong about that. You have to play rookie quarterbacks if your team is at least okay or there's some sort of a support system within them. Kenny Pickett last year, perfect example. There's plenty of good players. You got a number one receiver. You got a great coach, great organization, good defense, yada, yada, yada. With Zach Wilson, his first year, they don't have any good players. They had the number two pick in the draft. They're drafting in the top four every year. And I know, oh, you have Garrett Wilson. Like, Garrett Wilson hadn't played a game, you know, by that time. And the year before, he did not have Garrett Wilson. And so you're throwing Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold, respectively, into games with coaching staffs with Adam Gase and then Robert Sala, who have really not had any significant offensive success in their careers. You know, Adam Gase was held the clipboard for Peyton Manning, sure. But there's not great players around him. But then there's nobody to teach this dude how to play in the NFL game. And then I think it just spirals. And I saw with those two quarterbacks in particular, their careers took a turn after one game. And both of them, it was in different years, but it was against the Patriots. Zach Wilson was fine before that Patriots disaster last year where he ended up throwing like three or four picks and they were, they were Jameis-esque. Like he's not just throwing picks. He's running 30 yards backwards and throwing it behind his back directly to like four players on the other team. And it went so bad and the national media piled on because that's what they do with New York and the Jets because they're very loud, yada, yada, yada. And then ever since then, he had trouble responding. And that's kind of what it felt like with Kenny this week. That 49ers game, I think it, it shell-shocked him. <laughs> the 49ers team is, is it's like going, I don't want to say to war, but it is going to your death when you see these guys. You get off the bus. It's like if you're on a middle school game. You're on a middle school team, and you arrive at your game, and there was a squ- scheduling quirk. There was an error, and actually a high school team was coming to play against you. And you live in Texas, so they said, this is how you learn, boy. Get in the game, boy. Play against those those boys, boy. And you got in there, and you would be you'd be nervous, even if you knew you're a good player. They got some badasses over there, and that looks like what happened to Kenny. And he was so bad in playing in uh, such a way that we haven't seen. Like you said, we never seen him throw balls into the dirt. That's not his issue. And then you play in this huge stage Monday night where there's actually quite a bit of pressure to win. Like we've talked about the stat before, Dad. Oh, and two teams. They rarely make the playoffs. It's shocking, but it's true. Uh, nationally televised, Monday night. Also, people are tremendously underrating the Browns' defense. The Browns' defense is also very scary and incredibly talented. Probably by the end of the year, if the Steelers can get this stuff together, there's a decent chance we'll look back and by that point, like, yeah, the Browns have been killing people all year. They, they have corners that played man-to-man with Cincinnati and shut them out of the end zone. We didn't even think that happened, let alone Miles Garrett. So it does seem like it snowballed for him a little bit, but also like <clears throat> they don't create they don't create easy plays for him. They don't create like George Pickens. The whole strategy for him is like, hey, you want to move him around? Maybe put him in motion. Maybe like put him in different parts of the field. Maybe run like some trips formation and and get him matched up. You know, 
No. We just want to run three wide. We want to keep George Pickens as far away as possible on the sideline. And, uh, yeah, just hopefully, like, he gets open. Or this guy's incredible at jumping and catching the ball. So I think that's the only thing we should have him do. Well, hold on. He looks like he's a really talented athlete. Maybe you could, like, run him on some switch routes in trips or, or out of motion. No. No, he's terrible. He can't separate. Can't separate at all. You know, he's great with the circus catches. We get it, but he can't separate. Oh, no, that 71-yard touchdown where he ran past the entire Browns defense, that, it's different. Trust me. I'm a professional. I'm Matt Canada. I've never spent more than one year at any offensive location or any job in my entire career, until now, of course. Great job security here in Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, it's insane. So, Kenny, I'm worried that they're, they are really putting him in a disadvantageous position by not making it easy on him. So I looked at the next-gen stats for Kenny. Interestingly, what was he, 15 for 30? He's 15 for 30 for 222 yards, an interception, a touchdown. He had more than half of his passes were over 10 yards in the air, and he completed seven of them. I mean, that that's sort of a positive development for me, and not every – Pass. <laughs> well, plenty were behind the line of scrimmage, but the, the middle of the field has, there's only one pass between the hash, hash stripes, you know? So hash stripes, we're, we're, yeah. hash stripes. What did I, what did I want to say? Well, you almost had me hashtags. say hashtags, but it's just the hashes, right? Yeah. There was one pass between the hashes and, and he missed. You know, and, and those are the ones he missed. That number will be at five or six, which you can't pin that on Canada. Like, those were opportunities where he just either didn't look at George Pickens and just read it completely wrong. Like Derek has a thread on Twitter where he and another guy pointed out, hey, this is really basic concept. You're in, you know, uh, tight end and receiver to the left, two receivers to the right, back motions to the left. They're playing cover three. They play cover three the whole night in Cleveland, and they're always rolling to the, to the side that the back had motioned out to. And so it is, when I say a high school Defense and a high school offensive play, it really is as simple as, oh, I'm supposed to read the right side of the field now. And you would have hit George Pickens on another deep slant or skinny post, which he could have scored as well. So pick like people are having difficulty uh, with the idea that both guys can be bad and that Canada certainly is worse. But um, yeah, you're talking about the middle of the field things. Like those numbers could be pretty significantly eye-poppingly higher if he just made some routine throws because whether he just, I read the wrong side of the field on a high school passing concept because it's the only passing concepts the Steelers have. Or, oh, now I'm going to try it again and Pickens is open on the identical route and it's going to hit the ground five feet in front of him. It's like, well, there's two that would have gotten God knows how many yards and those are routine plays. Those aren't big asks. Before before we uh, continue to uh, eviscerate Matt Canada, what, what's your opinion about the offensive line? We had one rushing yard in the first half. We ended up with, what did I say? 55. Where do you think the problem is there? You know what? Uh, I think that that one's also as easy to diagnose as it possibly could be. Like the players who are good and have had, a pe- all these players have a large sample size. Siomalo and Daniels are good. Cole is a mediocre player, has been his entire career. And Chooks and Damore are the same. And so it shouldn't surprise us when Antoine Blake gets burned. 
it shouldn't surprise us when those guys aren't super talented players. It, it, it would almost be like thinking, man, I just wish that Sammy Coates had just emerged into a number one receiver. It's like, oh, they're not that great, so they're going to lose some battles. But once again, it all goes back to, to Matt Canada. I know you can trace it back to Tomlin for keeping him around, and we'll, obviously for sure, and we'll get to that. But he's also not putting them in advantageous situations. And maybe that, and to me, you could say, oh, it's Pat Myers, the offensive line coach. I don't care. We he's do the not offensive care. coordinator. He is the CEO of the offense. This is ridiculous. Brian Baldinger puts up a clip online of the Steelers run play on the goal line, and the first step for the right guard is backwards. Like that, it was like an Olay. Like that's the play design. So he, Matt Canada is also not putting them in advantageous positions. You know, Florio mentioned Najee Harris. I mean, an incredibly powerful back, incredibly powerful, incredibly slow. And all they do is run him off tackle. And so like, what are, we are not putting in, putting guys in positions to succeed. So we're not sitting here and saying, uh, the Steelers are, overwhelmingly talented at quarterback and line. We've said, hey, they have serious talent at the skill positions, and we think that the line and the quarterback can be passable, and we'll see where they grow to as Kenny grows, and hopefully as Broderick Jones, a really talented player, gets put in there. But that that's all kind of par for the course, and, and Cleveland's very good up front. So it, it's all obvious stuff right now, which is except for the, you know, hopefully Kenny doesn't have the yips. That's kind of the one thing that we've seen over the past uh, two games where it's like, ugh, didn't haven't seen that before. But anything good that the Steelers have done, like, oh, it turns out Alex Highsmith is amazing. Oh, Minka is phenomenal. George Pickens, very good. Yeah, so, you know, Fryermuth, what, two targets, something like that? How do you use them? But, a target? Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty rough. But uh, it is really fun watching this defense play. It's, it's fun because it's also maddening. It's like, how many third and 13s did Watson and the Browns convert from like their own one yard line and they would convert a third and 13 and then the next play TJ would strip sack them or, or the Steelers would make it get an interception. It's hard to watch the Browns buried at their five yard line and just go to third down and then throw that ball on the sideline wide open. That, that was a little tough to take. I, I just yeah. wanted to continue the positive reinforcement uh, Quan Alexander and um, Holcomb. What do you think about their play? Yeah, again, I think that these guys, everything is what it is. We know those guys are above average linebackers. They're going to win some. They're going to lose some. And once again, the Browns, uh, it sucks with the Nick Chubb injury. And it was nice to see the Steelers fans cheer him as he went off because he's just kind of a guy that everybody likes. And I honestly think he's underrated. People have been talking glowingly about him today, but I think We've said on the podcast, this has been the best running back for the past three, four, five years, including, you know, Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey and all these guys. And so, but when, when Nick Chubb is in there, like, yeah, Cleveland Browns are, they're going to run on anybody and every, anybody's going to have difficulty stopping that guy. But yes, it's it's awesome seeing Steelers inside linebackers shoot gaps and try to hit people. Did uh, the Steelers miss Cam Hayward? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, why? That one's a, I mean, it's Hall of Fame. He's a dominant player. Like, that that would have helped them for sure. I would have, in what way? He would have made tackles in place. And plugged up but the you made, I mean, there's, you were, no, there's no replacing of a, there's you made no the, replacing of a campaign. Okay. Word. You made the point that the Browns would have gotten their yards no matter what. And I, I would just argue, like, what, did we need more pressure? We sacked Watson six times, two fours, you know, 
four fumbles. I think what we're trying to get at here is this. We've said this about the Steelers' defense. This is modern defense. It's boom or bust. There is very rarely you're just going to shut them down unless you have such overwhelming talent like San Francisco has where, like, okay, their defensive line is as good as the Steelers' defensive line, and their linebackers are out of this world. So the front seven is, is very stout. But then they go play the team like the Rams, which is completely devoid of talent the next week. They have an elite play caller. Not saying that the Steelers need to have an elite play caller. That's not fair to say, like, oh, if you don't have Sean McVay, you don't have anyone. But it's good play calling, and they were able to move the ball on them. But if you have the elite team that the Niners have and the bottom barrel offensive execution that the Steelers have, then, yeah, sure, you can just totally shut someone down. But, I mean, the answer for Cam Hayward, it's like, yeah, they're going to get yards, and they'll get less yards. And with Deshaun Watson, you see him complete a lot of passes and then throw a lot of interceptions and get sacked a lot, and also avoid a lot of sacks. So I just think you got to be excited about the Steelers' defense. It's You're playing with fire with these cornerbacks. Like, if they knew that going into the season, you got probably the slowest cornerback duo in the league. They are both very heady players, like good veterans. It was awesome to see Joey Porter get that breakup. I guess he did grab them all over the shirt, whatever it may be, yada, yada. We've seen... Varying opinions on whether that's cool or not. That's probably just defensive backs being like, ah, he's good. He's fine. But it was a nice break on the ball. Really nice. So you just got to be excited about the Steelers um, from that standpoint. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative. That's kind of my point. I'm like, the Steelers have a lot of talent. And that's why this this Canada thing is so critical. Because you need to give yourself a fighter's chance. And, like, this is time-sensitive, like this window, when you look at that, you name all those guys we just had. And by the way, you're going to get back Deontay Johnson and Cam Hayward. You're going to get even better. And then next year, you get another few draft picks, which they've hit on a bunch of those recently, and you get free agency. Like the Steelers should just keep getting better. So the time is now to make a move because you also really got to worry about something that I've been talking about on the podcast a lot. And I finally started hearing. Uh, echoed in, in other areas of media, which is that, like, you got to – it's NIL now. Like, Pickens is a guy you got you to gotta cross your fingers. Steelers fans should be thanking them like they're lucky stars for Deontay Johnson, the ultimate soldier. Once again, you know, last week, <laughs> Kenny misses him on two wide-open touchdowns. The poor guy hasn't scored in a year, and he doesn't complain ever, ever. You see Brees Hall, the running back for the Jets. Again, super likable guy. He only gets four touches this past weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. He tweets four footballs on Twitter. Last year, the Jets, uh, when Mike White came in and, and I guess threw for a lot of yards and no touchdowns and lost every game he played in, they made a bunch of shirts with Mike White, the backup quarterback's face on it. Zach Wilson, the starter, you know, sitting there watching that. And they get on planes and they're super vocal about it. Meanwhile, the Steelers... With Mike Tomlin and everything, they're generally pretty good with this. Every player and the coach have, have said, oh, we didn't hear the fire Canada chance, yada, yada, yada. That's a good thing. You want that. Like, that's a team that has their, like, priorities straight. Keep this in-house. It doesn't, it doesn't help you to address this in the media. But there's one guy who plays the one position that we know, like, you can't have Pickens demanding a trade because you have a Super Bowl team that's being built right now. So at a certain point, 
we got to get this thing together. That's that, I'm trying to, in a roundabout way, coming back to Deontay Johnson. Steelers got a lot of players who wouldn't do that regardless. But you got something special in, in Pickens, and we got to find a way to make that happen. And, hey, last thing I'll say, but also to defend the point a little bit, Canada called some plays. There are very easy reads to George Pickens, and Kenny didn't throw them. So hopefully we can be a little bit more patient with that. But uh, that's I just think it's something you got to watch out for because the fans have already revolted. I can't imagine what's up with the players. <sighs> okay. Finally segue to my last question. How many more games do you need to see from Kenny like this before we have a quarterback controversy? He he has the whole year. There's like he could almost do nothing. He'd have to throw five interceptions in in a game. Like they're going to give him the whole time. I mean, you look, the Canada, we talk about uh, Keith Butler, we talk about Joey Porter Jr. or Joey Porter Sr., Carnell Lake, and Presley Harvin, who rewarded them last night with an incredible game. But Steelers give guys a lot of chances. And with Kenny, they should, regardless of their, their theory. Not like, he's still, has he even started 16 games yet? I don't, not quite. So, I mean, he, he's very early into his tenure. They know that this is also a situation Tomlin addressed it in the press conference today saying like, yeah, we acknowledge that we need to find our mojo uh, on offense again. We had it in the preseason and we'll, I'll just be frank. Like we clearly do not have that now and we're not going to make knee jerk wholesale changes, but I will acknowledge that two is a pattern, you know, two bad offensive games in a row. So they are aware that Kenny is in the middle of, of this storm that he's playing a part in, but every, everybody's playing a part in it. So he has plenty of time. I don't think you, I think that the Steelers wisely will not make him have any, any sort of hot seat at all. And I don't feel that way about him at all either. I'm just saying like, Hey, they got to watch out. All right. I'm looking forward next week's game. You have, you have the entire, Oh, Raiders, the one-on-one Raiders. Yeah, but they're going to the Raiders. So that'll be like something. If you could figure that out. When Sunday was the night. last time we played at the Raiders and won? I know we, we beat them recently, but I thought that was in Pittsburgh. But that's the disaster game for the Steelers. When they go west and they play the Raiders, it doesn't matter how good or bad they are. The Raiders always seem to win. So I wonder if that carries over to Las Vegas or if we can thankfully leave that behind in Oakland. Because that's a game that the Steelers have to uh, – you got to do like all-time series Steelers I'm trying Raiders. to, yeah. And it, sh- it should have it just in rows or whatever. But 2018. It, in Oakland? Yeah. What was the score? 21-20. Um, oh, wait. I'm reading this backwards. Well, anyways, it's anyway, been a – I think historically, this even if they have won one, it will be one out of like the last 10. So this is a uh, – this is an encouraging game. I mean, they, they have some stars over there, but they're not a great team, the Raiders. Everybody knows that. But damn it, it doesn't matter what generation of Steelers is. I have learned when it comes to the Raiders, do not analyze it. Just know, are, are we playing Raiders? Yes. Is it an away game? Yes. Just be, be, a, be wary. December 10th. 1995. Are you serious? Steelers 29, Raiders 10. Are you serious? That's it. Uh, what's the guy? Neil O'Donnell? Maybe. Tom Zach, maybe he was in there for a minute. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so that's – I. this is so dumb. Neil O'Donnell. But it's also not because <laughs> that is – 
30 years since we've won an away game against the Raiders. We might have to stat check that. I, I believe, but sometimes they don't make these things that easy to read online. So that is my analysis of the game. You want to talk about the players? No. You want to talk about where each team is? I don't. I just know that the Steelers are getting on a plane and they're going to play the spawn of Al Davis. And no matter who that is, it ends up being difficult. Um, But, man, they got them and they got the Texans. You have to win both of those games. The Steelers are so significantly more talented than those teams. I think the best thing that could have happened for the Steelers was this Browns game being nationally televised because it hurries up. It speeds along the... The national alarm. It's a national emergency. It's a crisis. We're talking about the steel men here. They got some studs. People need to see that. We need to figure this damn offensive thing out pronto. Oh, you mentioned the Texans. That's our big uh, get together. We're going to be live on site. That's right. That game. Yeah. Very excited for that. Uh, more excited now. Like I was, I was not looking forward to it as much. I was like, we're going to have to go watch this. And I guess we still will, but you know, I'm a fool and the Steelers won. So now I'm like, uh, we are Charlie Brown in the football with the Steelers. Truly. Hey, hit us up Proudly. on X at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.